All right. We are so excited to welcome to the ArcWaves podcast today, Eve Vandewal. Eve is the regional president of Utica North Country of Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield. Eve, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I know how supportive you are in the community and how supportive you've been to us. And it's just a nice opportunity for us to finally get you to sit down with us and have a nice conversation about all the great work you're doing here. And... Um, so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here as well. It's it's a big honor for me. I just recently uh, was able to hear you speak at the Genesis Breakfast maybe a month or so ago, and it really highlighted Excellus's mission um, of providing access to high quality and affordable health care, kind of making a difference in the community and improving the quality of lives in our community. You were specifically talking at the time about making it through the pandemic and how it was important to continue to maintain that mission and that impact. Um, so I was hoping you could talk not just about the pandemic, but also in general, how that mission is carried out in our region for Excellus. Sure, absolutely. So it's many different aspects of healthcare. Again, with our mission being access to high quality and affordable healthcare, I will start on the provider side. So it's important for us to have the hospitals, physicians, ancillary in our network. And what that means is if you have our insurance, you can go to that hospital, go to that physician, go to that ancillary provider. So just to kind of level set, we have 100% of the hospitals wow. in our network, wow. in our that's, territory, that's and approximately fantastic. 98% of our physicians. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the access piece is covered there. Um, also, too, just to touch on it a little bit, by having us, we also have the national network. So that means mm -hmm. if you travel, if you go anywhere, mm -hmm. and they participate with another blues plan, mm -hmm. it's considered in-network, so you that's can see that. That's important. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also, too, on the quality side. So it's saying, you know, make sure it's a high quality. We are actually, um, we get rated by a national committee of quality assurance. So that is an independent entity that comes and looks at different aspects of the health insurer. Mm -hmm. And um, we are four and a half stars out of possible five for our Medicare wow. HMO, which is not a lot of plans actually attain that. So we're really proud of that. Yeah. Also, we have four stars in our Medicare PPO. So HMO, PPO, just different product lines. Yeah, right. And um, also two, four and a half stars for Medicaid, mm -hmm. four stars in our commercial. That's, That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, so it's really, really exciting. What's the national accreditation body that you're? What's What's the name? So of it? So it is the national. You know? It is NCQA. So that's kind of like um, okay. like JCO for the hospitals. Yes. yes. Yep. Yep. So that's like the gold standard yeah. for healthcare is NCQA. Yeah. So they're the ones who come in and they look at all of our different products. Wow. And rate each product. So that must be an invasive search, right? Where they look at every everything. every level of the organization. Wow. Yes. Wow. And we take we take it very seriously because again, we are having members mm -hmm. entrust their care to us. Sure. Right. So we want to make sure that the providers and hospitals that are in our network yeah. are delivering high quality care. Right. Right. Absolutely. One thing that's always struck me when talking to people who have Excellus is the degree of customer service that they experience mm -hmm. and how impressed they are with that. And I've heard you talk about that a little bit, and it's not really um, you know, on our list here, but I'm curious mm -hmm. to know why that's so important to you, particularly because you were a nurse. Right. And I mm -hmm. have to imagine that there's something about that one-on-one -on -one care. Absolutely. So our customer care advocates are our front line. Mm -hmm. You don't have a second chance to make a first impression. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I will tell you, I say it all the time. 
They have the toughest job mm. in our company. Mm. They have to know so much information. Sure. So yeah. we have a, a really intense onboarding so that they feel comfortable and they're paired up with somebody and they have tools at their fingertips. Because again, we want one of our goals is to, if somebody calls up with an issue or a question, we want to resolve it on that call. Right. So that they're coming right. back. And I will tell you, most times, as you could imagine, people aren't calling to say, great job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. calling because yeah. they, they have an issue. An issue or a question. And, and, yep. and you know what? And we want to be there for them. We sure. pride ourselves on that. Yeah, no, well, we, that's a great point. I mean, you know, similar to us, right? We have the same interest in making sure that we're responsive to families, to those people that we support with disabilities, to a variety of stakeholders, of course, that we have. And, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, when people come into those entry-level positions and they have a lot to learn, very similar to our direct care staff, what is going to be most helpful for them to understand the importance of person-centered care, to understand all the regulations and things that they have to follow, who can they go to in an organization that's large, you know, um, and mentoring, it sounded like you mentioned, is a really important piece to being able to support people when they come in the job. They can job shadow. They can really, a variety of ways to learn. It's not just reading. It's not exactly. just sitting in a training. Sure, you know, it's, it's not PowerPoints. It's, right, right. It's really who, yes. you know, and, and that camaraderie. And yes. I think that connection with people in, the, in your um, organization that have that experience um, is a wonderful way to, I think, really bring in people and retain people. Mm -hmm. Have you found that? I agree, that? absolutely. So, I mean, we are large. So Utica right. is, you know, one of the regions. But we have over about approximately 4,000 employees across the thruway. Wow. Yeah, so we are one Amazing. of the main hubs. So it's like Utica, Syracuse, Rochester, sure. Buffalo, and Southern Tier. Hmm. Utica encompasses 14 counties. So we have an office in Plattsburgh and in Watertown. That was mind-blowing to me when you guys had shared that with <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, but again, I always say our employees, just like you said, Karen, our employees are our biggest asset, mm -hmm. right? right? And a lot of, like you said, frontline starting positions, customer service claims, they're learning the business. Right. So right. there's so many opportunities because we believe from hiring from within. Okay. So we want right. to be able to have them learn the business. And then to your point, they can shadow. That's right. They mm -hmm. can learn other avenues. And we hope it's not just a job, but it becomes a career. Right. Absolutely. It's the same yeah. way that we feel, you know, and, and when you're really, uh, when your organization and your mission is about helping to support people have the lives and the quality of lives that they want, like you and I both share, mm -hmm. you know, that is such a, a critical piece to ensure that you have those, those options in place for people to advance, for right. people to get further training, etc. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I was thinking as you were speaking about just the different product lines you have and um, how successful you've been over the years and building those product lines. But also I remember it was probably now maybe – Eight years ago or so, you and I sitting down and talking about telemedicine. Mm -hmm. oh, and nice. it was something that we wanted to do very much in our organization was to have access to a variety of providers. We're all over the place in our organization. We're in suburbs. We're in the city. We're in rural areas. And we saw that telemedicine and that um, would really could be a very strong option for us. So I want to thank you for that because mm -hmm. you gave me a lot of great information awesome. that we were able to sort of take back and then apply for some grants and we did and we were successful in getting um, telehealth uh, um, 
equipment in every single one of our group homes and every single one of our locations. We have 50 physical locations across two counties. So everybody had that access, and it opened up so many mm -hmm. doors mm -hmm. for us to be able to have that immediate care, um, a quality of care, you know, different providers, etc. So, you know, I'm I'm wondering now. It's been several years since you and I last spoke about this. Could you talk about the role telemedicine um, has played, and particularly throughout um, the uh, pandemic? But how have you seen telemedicine grow and be successful for not only your organization but for obviously the the people that you? support in the community. Absolutely. So it's interesting, you know, the pandemic, everyone looks at it as being totally negative, mm -hmm. but there were some positives Absolutely. that came out of it. That's and right. I, I use telemedicine as one of it, mm -hmm. because we did have a lot of providers were a little hesitant, you know, especially some of the old schoolers, sure. they believe they wanted to see their patient face to face, right? Mm -hmm. They have that relationship. And it's a new area, a new, you know, way of doing delivering medicine. Mm -hmm. So with telemedicine, there was no choice. Right. Offices mm -hmm. shut down. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't seeing them at all. Mm -hmm. So our telemedicine, we actually increased by 7,000% oh, during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, wow. And just to give like a snippet, so we had over 880,000 visits for behavioral health. Oh, wow. wow. Which was a 13,000% increase. That's amazing. Oh, my Amazing. Gosh. Yeah. So the access for people was unbelievable, unbelievable because I think people were more likely to want to have a behavioral health um, provider exactly. or access that, you know, through telehealth, you know, yes. where they didn't have to leave their house. And some people have conditions that, that you know, agoraphobia, for example, Absolutely. where they're really afraid to leave the house. And so this became an option yes. for them. Yes. And, and talk and I, about removing a stigma, too, that some people yeah, still associate with right. behavioral health. And I will tell you, for behavioral health, I think we because we've seen um, such an increase, one of it is because now – for many of them, they have the screen. So mm -hmm. it's almost like it, like you said, not only stigma, but it's a little more for them, it's a little more doable. Yeah. Right. And they can still see the same provider. Right, right, right. But you know, it also affected people that had transportation issues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, right. and again, it's not a replacement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's just right. certain diagnoses yeah. that it's appropriate for, mm -hmm. but it should never replace your primary care. Right. That point about the transportation is so poignant to me, too, because talk about. Um, creating an equal access or a more equitable access to care because we often forget about that. Certainly right. in my life, I forget about people who maybe don't have the access to transportation that I have. Right. And even though we have a robust bus system and things like that, it still doesn't always do the trick and it's not convenient. And gosh, on a day like today, who wants to walk right. through those sidewalks? <laughs> right. So, but again, you know, and you're thinking of here. Yeah. Now think of Malone, New York. Right. Yeah. That's or, right. you know, in the rural counties where they don't even have behavioral health Right. Anywhere Practitioners. Right. Yeah. So now this opens the access for them as well. Yeah. That's, That's exactly the reason why I think one of the reasons why we started to look at telehealth was because we have, um, you know, we serve people in Lewis County and some sure. of the rural communities where it would take an hour for somebody to get to a doctor's appointment. And, you know, as we started to see challenges of staffing across not only our agency but other places, you know, it became very difficult to free up one person to be able to take them, you know, to doctor's appointments that were an hour away or emergency room that was an sure. hour away. I mean, mm -hmm. so that it just became such a, to us, a no-brainer to really start to explore that not only for our, our like I said, our rural communities but for uh, Utica and our Nida County um, suburban areas. So 
I think it's been such a success and, and really a credit to you and, and thank, thank you. you for you know really doing that. One of the things that I've also known um, about you is I see you everywhere. <laughs> you are, <laughs> that is so true. You know, amazing. Um, and I think, you know, I, I believe that um, community um, involvement is critical, particularly in our community as it's been, you know, really taking off over the last several years. You're a member of a variety of local organizations, Mohawk Valley Edge, um, the Health Workforce, New York, um, the Adirondack Bank. I, you know, the list goes on and on. I know how, how active and how dedicated you are to our community. How do you think that positively impacts your abilities to carry out your role mm -hmm. at Excellus? Well, I think um, first and foremost, we're not for profit. Mm -hmm. So we're not, we don't have to answer to stakeholders. So yes. we can give our money back into the community. Mm -hmm. We live, we work here. Mm -hmm. So I do think, especially in my role, it's very important to get out, meet with other people, um, because by talking to people, you find out the needs right. in the community. And, you know, we give out some, you know, we call them community health awards, and they're yes. grants, and you guys have yes, received them. Yes, yes, So I personally deliver with the check in all of our 14 counties, whoever is a recipient, I do that. Mm -hmm. because I want to see what the needs are. You know, right. you can, anyone can write a check, but right. again, we live and work there. So to go up, like for example, I'll give you one up in the North Country, we gave a grant for um, a community garden. Yeah. Oh, nice. The closest grocery store with fresh produce was over an hour away. Wow. Oh my goodness. So what they did though, I mean, creative, innovative, yes. what <laughs> they did is they grew these vegetables, all volunteers, and then within the same block, there was a pharmacy so within the pharmacy, they started a pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That's so cute. So you talk about you get to go and see the needs. Right. But what you also really get to see is all these amazing, innovative, and best practices mm -hmm. that are going on. Do you get opportunities to really share those other than what you just did with our podcast? But you know, <laughs> do, you, do you feel like there's a, a forum where... Those, those can be shared. Yeah, I do. I do think that's probably an opportunity for our region in general. Mm -hmm. um, I do think over the years, and Karen, you've probably been part of right. them, where you get a bunch of CBOs, not-for-profits together, share best practice. Mm -hmm. um, some yes. of the funders would get together. Um, because I know sometimes when we get approached for funding, if it's not a good fit, or even if it is a good fit, I'll also say, do you know the community foundation gives grants for these? Or do you know, right. you know, United sure. Way may support this? Right. Like you try to share. Right. Right. Um, and again, I think also meeting with other community leaders. Yes. And we also have regional advisory boards. So each of our main hubs across the thruway, right. we have regional advisory boards. So mine is made up of 18 community leaders oh, wow. from the 14 counties. So, I mean, we have a physician from Plattsburgh that sits on it. Wow. I mean, because wow. we want to get different perspectives. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And then some of those representatives then sit on our corporate board. So every region has representation that sits on the corporate board that brings our regional view to the corporate level to say, well, you know, that may not work in Utica. Right. Like to, and to have a re really, really re robust conversation. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, but I think, you know, for me, and plus, as you know, yeah. it's in my DNA. Right. I love right. being out in the community. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, networking with people, right. there's no substitution for that that's right absolutely and that that connection person to person to talk about your mission and how it aligns with the other organizations missions and being able to get nonprofits together we talk about this often so so often it feels like we're operating in silos and yeah. we shouldn't be mm -hmm. because we are all part of the community and I, I feel sometimes 
people think, oh, it's the ARC. They just take care of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much broader than that. There's uh, also, I'm sorry, Heather, to okay. interrupt, but there is also a um, real sort of misunderstanding that we are siloed, that we're not you know, right. playing with our friends nicely in the sandbox. That couldn't be more further from the truth. I mean, we all have for many years have to work together, whether we're in the same exact, you know, intellectual disability space, you know, but we routinely work with our fellow um, nonprofits in the area in a variety of different ways. And because we all have to um, work together to support yep. somebody, and it's really about the person and giving them the highest quality of care. So if, you know, somebody has uh, 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 is providing a job opportunity or a supported employment, or perhaps they live, you know, with us in the community and, and get some other types of services, you know, we, we have to sort of work together on yes. that. I was headed in there eventually. <laughs> but I agree Sorry, with you. I cut you off no, at the pass there. Right. I just think that's why the podcast is kind of yes. magical yeah. in that way, because yeah. we do break down a lot of those perceived silos that's and say, right. hey, we're, you know, we're having these communications with places like Excellus, and we're mm-hmm. having communication with all these other nonprofits like the Mohawk Valley Latino Association mm-hmm. and working with them. And it's just a really nice way to remember that we are all part of this community And And I will tell you, too, on that same um, topic, the hospital systems in Excellus Mm -hmm. work very well together. Mm -hmm. So people would think that we would be kind of like one on one side and one on the other. But at the end of the day, I always say they call them patients. We call them members. It's the same population. Right. Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. And we want to do this. We want to do what's best for our community and the members that we serve Mm -hmm. right um so i think you know we have great relationships with our hospital systems we partner with them we have aligned initiatives with them we come up with innovative payment right um you know different things so it's not always the same over and over because if we continue doing what we're doing it doesn't it's not going to work sure That's right. You have to always continue to grow and look at Mm -hmm. things differently. Look at what's going on in your political environment. Look what's going on in the technology. And if you can't respond to that, then your competitors are going to. And they're going to, you know, outmaneuver. So I think, you know, I know that you guys are always, you know, trying to be as innovative and you do these incredible things um, to, to create more products for people. And so... I know you're you're always on top of that, and I, we appreciate that. I'm con- I just want to flip this a little bit. Um, what would you consider as the top health issues or diagnosis that you think we must focus on in our community, and how can we collectively work to make a positive difference? Yeah. So I would say um, top of mind for Excellus is really health equity and social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. I mean, be, we actually, we are so committed to it. We actually hired a vice president of health equity, and we're very excited. Her name is Dr. Gina Kyler. Oh, great. And she's been with us probably about a year. Okay. And she's already been to Utica four times. Oh, great. Meeting with all different people, you know, the center, Mm -hmm. Sonia from Mm -hmm. the Latino. Mm -hmm. I mean, to really get, because unless you visit and drive around and see it, you're not going to get it. Yeah, you don't understand our tapestry. Right. right. So, I mean, really, she's really leading our whole strategy for all of Excellus, with the regions being a little bit different. Um, And again, it's talking about health disadvantages that is due to race, Mm -hmm. ethnicity, disability, Mm -hmm. sex, gender, rural. I mean, Mm -hmm. people don't kind of think rural is, though. I mean, it is a disparity. It does affect the way people are. So we're, um, we're really investing dollars that surround Health equity, health inequity, really. That's great. Yeah, so I mean, like maternal 
health awareness. Like in 2022, that was a big focus of ours. Mm-hmm. And that's like you said, like yesterday, we gave a grant to ICANN, mm-hmm. who's going to be doing some work with um, Evelyn's House. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, nice. so, and again, Mohawk Valley Health System, they're the other recipient on the maternal health side right. to work with prenatal, postnatal, because again, they deal with a lot of right. vulnerable populations. Right. Absolutely. Right. And it was interesting because Mental Health Awareness Day was just recognized. Mm-hmm. So this is just a, a statistic that a lot of people probably don't know. But black women between the ages of 35 and 44 have a 66 per higher percent for um, maternal morbidity mm-hmm. and are more likely to suffer pregnancy-related complications than white women. Is wow. that a national statistic? Yeah. Wow. So th- so we just invested a right. million dollars across Excellus just on maternal health. Right. And so I can and Mohawk Valley Health System are the two entities in the Utica market yeah, yeah. that are receiving. That's awesome. I just completed a peacemaker program through the Rotary yesterday, oh. and it talked about this concept of positive peace and these eight pillars of peace. And one of the key ones that you can make such an impact on is maternal health yeah. and how important that is to that positive peace atmosphere mm-hmm. of a community, of a region, of a country. Right. And our second big area of focus, um, no surprise to you, we talked about it already a little bit, is mental and behavioral health. Mm -hmm. So we're working to eliminate the stigma, Mm -hmm. expand access. Um, So again, we gave a health equity award to um, Upstate Family Health Center, Young Scholars, Mm -hmm. um, and also Oneida Health, um, Mm -hmm. the hospital in Oneida, Mm -hmm. we gave a grant to, again, addressing mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we're seeing it in our school-based clinics Mm -hmm. that we support. They're saying over 50% of the children in some of our school-based clinics have a mental health Wow. issue diagnosis hmm. do you see a rise in the amount of providers mm-hmm. that are available for that because it, it seems like i thought i started seeing some more signs yeah. and then i feel like i haven't seen as much and i constantly am hearing from friends i can't get my son or daughter in because there's nobody around Psychi- psychiatry for adolescents and kids oh is almost impossible yeah. yes i mean yeah. it's, it really is frightening it is frightening and i think that's where um telemedicine mm-hmm. is helping um, but I do think it's a national crisis. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a national crisis. And I think, too, even if the number is increasing, it's not increasing enough with the number that's increasing of the people who right. need it. The rate yeah. isn't where it needs to be. One of the things that you mentioned, um, health equity and social determinants. So, um, and, of course, one is, is a person's, if the, a person has a disability. One of the things that we do in educating people, too, is that um, along the lines of what you do, is that all the social determinants hit people with developmental disabilities. It's not just they have a disability. Mm-hmm. Race, gender, their employment or lack of employment or access to employment. Um, you know, All along the spectrum, people with developmental disabilities are, are experiencing all those multiple challenges all the time. So it's great that we have a uh, focus on in, in a variety of areas, and I appreciate the investment that you, Excellus makes into the community. Um, so I think, you know, it reminds us, and it reminds mm-hmm. me, Heather, that, you know, again, it's an opportunity for us when we talk about social determinants to make sure that people know not just a person with a disability, right. but they have a lot of uh, additional challenges, sure. health diagnosis, they're more vulnerable to, sure. you know, as they're aging. So um, it's it's a good discussion, again, to, to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just think, you know, these social factors, um, I would say in 2022, we had a higher um, request for food. 
Yeah. Really? Than we ever have um, wow. in all the years I've been there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's the food insecurity. Um, and again, it's entities that serve people that you wouldn't normally think of. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's one of the other ways you guys are reaching out in the community, too, is those community-focused uh, kind of deployments, for lack of a better term, where you guys are making sure people are fed and things that you don't think of in that traditional realm of health insurance company. Right. Well, I think if you don't have the basic needs, if you don't have food, if you don't have shelter, you know, a roof over your head, it's going to affect your health. Mm-hmm. Right. It, without and how could you even think about your health if you're hungry right, right. i mean it right. all kind of goes together yeah, sure yeah. and it's a continuum right yes so guess what heather we're starting to wind down a little oh, bit and needing Karen, to get to our, lo- our lightning around questions <laughs> but before i do i asked this question we had alicia dixon oh, recently okay and i asked her the same question because i i just you know i'm a, obviously a very strong proponent of whatever we can do to help elevate young girls educate them about the opportunities and leadership that they have available out there. Um, Talking about, you know, ideas of maybe how we can create more mentorships, how we can have more access for for young ladies to see the wonderful women out there like yourself, Eve, who is doing remarkable things and has been um, out in the community in your position. So what would you, what advice would you give, let's say a young girl, um, teenage girl, Um, who may be interested in leadership, um, a leadership position one day, what, what advice might you give to her now? I would say reach out and have a conversation. Introduce yourself to someone. I love mentoring people. Actually, within yeah. Excellus, we have a women's leadership um, council, and it's like over 300 females, wow. and I am the executive sponsor of our mentoring coaching subcommittee for our female employees so um you know i always volunteer myself i'd be willing to talk to any young female um that's that wants to know more information but i would just say you got to be your own advocate yeah and leaders Mm -hmm. in the community love it when you reach out sure like even today i mean you know assemblywoman button challenged the students and said i have a homework assignment for you before you leave you are to introduce yourself to one of these professionals in the room i thought that was great yeah (laughs) so it's that type of thing to say put a little ownership on them but just know that we're going to welcome it right i love that i love that i think it's important for all the young ladies out there to to know that there are um, many women in our community in very strong leadership positions who um, have had a wonderful um, opportunities in their life and challenges that they've maneuvered through and and you know knowing that they could access someone like yourself um, is really I think refreshing and wonderful for them to know so yeah, thank absolutely. you for sharing that sure all right so as Karen said it's time for the lightning <laughs> round questions which always um, I'm privileged that I get to do those because they're kind of fun <laughs> um, what do you think is the most important strategy people can do to make a positive difference in your health or in their health I would say establish yourself with a primary care physician mm. because they're the anchor and they can help you navigate through the healthcare system yep. excellent that's a great idea I do think of them as kind of like the the quarterback mm-hmm. right? right calling all the plays coordinating everything right great one what leader has most inspired you so for me it's maya angelou um you know a poet an actress civil rights poet i was fortunate to be able to see her in 2011 she came to mvcc as part of their um, cultural series and i would say one of her sayings it just sticks with me because i believe it's so true and it is i've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did 
but people will never forget how you made them feel. Yes. I love that saying. Fantastic. It's so true, right? Absolutely. It is so true. 100%. And you can always picture that feeling. Even Absolutely. Even if you can't remember the exact words. That's right. Finally, what is your favorite place to vacation and why? So I, I have two, so I'll say it quickly. And it's Old Forge, an hour away, but you feel like you're way mm-hmm. away. We have yep. a camp up there, um, you know, right, you know, just there's a lot of trailers. You're on the water. It's just a different world, mm-hmm. um, and it's just that calming place. Yeah. What's your favorite things to do up there? I would say um, I'm a fair weather snowshoer. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, like to do the trails, mm-hmm. like to be on our pontoon bow, yeah. oh, and yeah. really just read. Yeah, yeah. sit on the oh, dock and read. You know, oh. you're talking my language. Fire at yeah. nighttime. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> that does sound great. And what's number two? Two is Florida, and I say that yes. because when I was a young kid, I'm one of six kids, and we always drove down. That was our family vacation, and just the whole idea of it. And we continue that with our kids. We drove down for years. And now that we have grandkids, they're coming oh down. So it's gosh. almost like oh, a family nice. tradition. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. yeah You just get away nice. and it's warm. It reminds yeah. you the journey as part of the adventure, too, when you exactly. drive. Right? Because we That's always right. drove, it's all too. part of it. Yeah. So quickly. So I remember telling my kids when they got in high school that, you know, we're going to start flying because I couldn't take them out of school as much. And they're like, oh, no, but we like driving. And I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> because it's part of the journey. Yes, You're right. absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. You're right. Do you drive straight down or do you to drive well we used to drive straight down until you know then it got to the point where but then we would stop in a like a hotel that had a pool so it was oh, part yeah. of it and eat at pizza Hut. Right. so it right. was all part yeah. of the journey oh, as you that's saw all those wonderful things that's, that's awesome, awesome. <laughs> well we are so excited that you came to talk yes. with us today as usual i have a million more questions right? so you're going to have to come back yes please do <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun it went by so fast it doesn't does. go by fast. it does it does thank oh, you yeah. so much again for everything you've done in the community all your support for us over the years we love our partnership that we have with you um and we look forward to to many more years thank and you. seeing you at the gala yes, yes. thank you <laughs> thank you all right bye-bye Disclaimer, the views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the ARC Oneida Lewis chapter, the ARC New York, or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.